All right, good national championship game last night. Congrats to the Jayhawks for getting it done uh, as they came back, a historic comeback in the NCAA championship. Looked like Carolina was going to run them out of New Orleans, but they came back, fought, got back in the game, and uh, very impressive what Bill Self and company did last night. I thought they were dead in the water at halftime, but they weren't. They came back, got it done against Carolina. We'll talk about that. Spring football to talk about uh, for the Sooners as well. We will get into that. Got some OU baseball tonight. ORU at Oklahoma at 630. And then Bedlam Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Stillwater. Uh, Oklahoma softball. Patty Gasso and company will host Tulsa coming up uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. And uh, we had uh, Alston Mason entering the transfer portal for Sooner Basketball. We'll get into that. We've moved Brandon Rabar back to 135 today. Talked a little Thunder, Portland, and Oklahoma City tonight. Last home game for the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. But ladies and gentlemen, there is only one place to lead today. Only one. The news coming out today about this man. On the team from USA, Tiger Woods. Get ready. Woo! We are tour, and we're doing it better. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! You knew that I was going to be the biggest star of them all! Tiger! Tiger! Tiger Woods! I know a lot of people in this room thought I was done, but I'm not. Now let's do this! Oh, yeah. Fired up. Very fired up. Very happy. Big smile on my face. Tigers press conference today at 10 a.m. He was asked this question by a Sooner, by the way. Doug Ferguson of the AP, the AP golf writer, graduated the same year as I did from the OU Journalism School. Wow. So, yeah, big wig out there in the golf world. Doug Ferguson asked Tiger about playing. When will you decide um, whether for sure you're, you're playing and what will determine that? Well, as of right now, I feel like I am going to play, as of right now. Um, I'm going to play nine more holes tomorrow. Um, uh, my recovery has been good. I've been very excited about how I've recovered each and every day, and that, that's been the, the, the challenge. That's why I came up here and, and tested out for 27 holes, because we, we played the par three course. Charlie couldn't help himself. Um, so. Was able to play uh, 27 holes that day um, and at home testing it. But it's the recovery. You know, how, how am I going to get all the you know, swelling out and recover for the next day? And uh, my team has been fantastic and worked very hard. Um, so we've got another day of nine more holes and uh, then come game time. It's really pretty unbelievable. But if you think about it, it is Tiger Woods. And uh, we talked about this about two weeks ago. And I was saying, yeah, maybe Tiger will play the par three contest. I don't know, man. You know, he nearly lost that leg. They were talking a potential, uh, you know, amputation there. We were wondering, you know, can he even play golf just with his son? You know, much less competitive golf out there on the PGA Tour. But Tiger again, and those, there's a setback. He's putting a peg in the ground on Thursday at Augusta, 9.34 Central Time. Tiger paired with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman in the Masters, the five-time Masters champion, 97, 2001, 2002, 2005, and, of course, that historic win in 2019. Tiger was also asked 
why he actually thinks he can win this tournament. You've said countless times throughout your career that you don't enter a golf tournament unless you think that you can win it. Mm-hmm. So the question is simple. Do you think you can win the Masters this week? I do. And what have you seen in your preparation that leads you to believe that? Well, I can, I can hit it just fine. And I, I, I don't have any qualms about what I can do physically from a golf standpoint. It's now walking is the hard part. You know, this is normally not an easy walk to begin with. Um, uh, now, given the, the conditions that, you know, my leg is in, it gets a little bit more, more difficult. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, 72 holes is uh, it's a long road. And uh, it's going to be a, a tough challenge and a challenge that I'm, I'm up for. There you go. So Tiger sounding confident this morning that he can go out and compete and actually win the tournament. So that is that's awesome news. Uh, memo to everybody out there, I will not be moving from my couch this weekend. I mean, I can play some early golf maybe early in the morning. But as of by 11 a.m., I'm off limits for anything. So I'm just saying. Fair warning. Is that why you're wearing the to-do list Nada shirt today? Yes, that's my official weekend shirt right there. His T-shirt says, to-do list, there's only one thing listed, and it is Nada. That's the way the weekend should be. I mean, unless you have to do, like, you have to go to a camp or something, but anything else, yeah, the weekends are made for relaxation, recharging the battery, not for, you know... Football season, we've got pregame shows and postgame shows and all that, so we're going to work a six-day week. I know you're working a six- or seven-day week as it is. Yeah, that's, football season never ends for me, That's Steely. how it is, man. At your age, I don't want to hear any complaints at all. You know, pay attention to the details. Brent Venables, you know, right now you are a young five-star, but you still have to pay attention to the details and put in the work. I thought I was and the ha- mileage. I, I thought we were halfway headed for a Bob Stoops spiel on <laughs> fundamentals and execution there. Oh man. So this really is pretty unbelievable. Like I said, when we heard about this crash, he spent three months in a hospital before he was released. And thinking about, man, we, we probably won't see Tiger playing competitive golf again. You know. No. Right? I just hope he can get out there and play, you know, knock it around with Charlie a little bit. That kind of thing. And here he is 14 months later. Well, 17 months later, actually, I think. For, Has it really been that long? Well, no, it would be a little over 14. I think 17 from the uh, the rescheduled Masters that he last played in. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty remarkable. And, again, it brings back memories of Ben Hogan. Uh, ben Hogan, maybe the greatest ball striker of all time. But, he, you know, he, he got hit by a bus in a car accident. Not just like a Volkswagen, by a bus. No, a bus, yes. And uh, I remember they asked Tiger a few years back, you know, when he before he won 2019, would it be the greatest thing for you to win here again? You know, greatest comeback ever. Well, that's going to be Mr. Hogan. He got hit by a bus, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you get hit by a bus, coming back isn't normally part of the future uh, that you're involved with. Man, right? th- th- consider this, though, Steely. Tiger Woods is worth close to a billion dollars. He didn't have to come back. No. Like that no. he could have just called it quits with that crash. And that would have definitely been the easy way out. Some would say the smart way out. Yeah. Maybe. You know, why why try to rehabilitate your body and get yourself back in shape to play competitive golf at the highest level after undergoing all of the health issues that he struggled through for a decade plus? 
only to have it all culminate in that accident. The key word that you used in what you were saying right there, there was one word that is the reason why he's back out there. Compete. The dude loves to compete. He still has those competitive juices, man. That's what it's all about. And he thinks he can still win. So, you know, and I was watching the press conference today. It was about 20 minutes, a little over 20 minutes. And I'm thinking there's a new Tiger there, but there's also the old Tiger that's still there as well. The new Tiger is a guy that goes out and plays practice rounds, hams it up, has a good time. His new best buddies, Justin Thomas and Justin Thomas's dad. You know, uh, he said when he was playing the other day in the practice round with Charlie and JT, that it was like having my little brother here, and it was like Charlie having his big brother, you know, and he's cracking jokes and, you know, big smile on his face uh, when he was asking a lot of questions today. Tiger's normally not like that. He's usually, you know, old Tiger was the assassin. I'm here to destroy everybody in this field. I'm the golf terminator. You know, I'm not here to have fun. But I think he, he's got a new perspective on that now. Now, once he tees it up and we're officially underway, then the Terminator, I think, comes back. The question is, does the Terminator still have enough? You know, on, you know, if he's playing well and gets a few breaks, that's what happened in 2019. All those guys hit it in the water on 12, opened the door for Tiger. He walked right through and won the green jacket. And he played, uh, he played well and he played smart. And uh, that's what we've been talking about, too, is that nobody has the course knowledge or the expertise out there that Tiger has, particularly with Phil not playing. What is the current line on Tiger to win the Masters? Because I'm not a betting man, but even I am tempted to go through a couple bucks on it. Uh, Somebody just said 80 to 1 was what they saw. Okay, so five bucks will win me 400. Yeah, plunk down five on Tiger. Why not? Hey, you know what? I might do that. That sounds a little high to me. I, I don't know. I might go 50 to 1, 40 to 1, 50 to 1. Probably fifty. If it's eighty to one, that's that's pretty much a bargain. It seems like it, does it not? It certainly does. So anyway, Tiger, unless there's a setback, will be playing teeing it up at Augusta on Thursday, nine thirty-four, playing with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman. All right, our first hour presented by Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, heat and air issues. Give Tim Lasher and that great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, a call. They're family-owned and operated, servicing the greater Oklahoma City area for 15 years. Call them up at 405-579-3113, 579-3113. How many big field goals did Tim Lasher make for you during his Sooner career? You think he can't handle a little heating and air issue? Of course he can, and his company can taking a break right here we'll come back talk a little national championship and sooner spring football right here on the ref back with you it is a tuesday edition of steel man and thune at noon here on the home of sooner fans the ref radio network jumping into ou spring football here in a second also opening night for the Oklahoma city dodgers tonight at the bricktown ballpark Taking on the Albuquerque Isotopes. Are you? Oh, uh, uh, the Albuquerque Isotopes. Are you familiar with an isotope? Do you know what an isotope it's is? Some, some kind of chemistry term. I don't know. I do know they used to be the AAA affiliate of the Dodgers back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would go watch them because I'm a big Dodger fan. So I would go watch them in Omaha because, of course, the Omaha Storm Chasers, formerly the Omaha Royals, mm-hmm. are and have been for a long time the AAA affiliate of the Kansas City Royals. So. Triple-A baseball is big up there. By the way, an isotope, uh, the definition, each of two or more forms of the same element that contain equal numbers of protons, but different numbers of neutrons in their nuclei. 
and hence differ in relative, uh, relative atomic mass, but not in chemical properties, in particular a radioactive form of an element. Now, if you're studying that stuff, you don't have to worry about a men's clinic because you ain't getting any action, I can tell you that, <laughs> if you're studying isotopes, <laughs> all right? Just saying. Unless you're Elon Musk or something, then maybe because you're money, but I'm just saying. All right, so there you go. Dodgers, home opener tonight. And all the nerds have tuned out. Are we going to get a nerd on the text line? Oh, I, like guarantee, I guarantee you'll get a nerd on the text Surely line, Steely. You just pissed what? off all the nerds. I have uh, been studying isotopes, and I live in Gilardia now, so take that. Like the dude yesterday when we talked two and a half minutes of thunder, and he said, Now listen here, son. I'm here for OU and only OU, so all right. I had enough of this thunder NBA stuff. Man, you're, you're, you're on one this week, Steely. I haven't slept well. Maybe that's really? why. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Are you just, are you just that excited about Tiger at the Masters? I, probably, yes, probably. Well, definitely, yes. All right, uh, let's talk a little Sooner Spring football. Should we? Shall we? Yes, let's do it. Jay Valai, man, that guy... He's the dude that you don't want to get crossways with. Now, Jerry Schmidt probably used to be that guy, and Jerry Smith, Jerry Schmidt in his own age division could still pretty much kick anybody's derriere. Uh, I have no doubt. You put Jerry Schmidt, uh, how old is Schmidt now? He's in his 50s? No, he's got to be close to 60. Really? See, yeah. he's, he's going to win the seniors division in the octagon. I have no doubt about that. But Jay Valai, man, that guy is put together. And he is fired up, and he is a guy that I think, man, he's got great energy. Everybody on this staff now, Ted Roof's a little bit different. He's more of the. Uh, he seems like the, the. You would say that's the brains of the operation, right there, Ted Roof. You know, he's got the cool glasses, kind of the distinguished look. Sure, he's not out there yelling and screaming as much. His press conferences, you're not going to buy any Amway products from him. Although he's very likable and he's very entertaining, but whatever Brent Venables is selling, you're going to buy it. Whatever Miguel Chavis is selling, you're going to buy it. Todd Bates, Jay Belay. I mean, they could sell you into a network marketing operation if you showed up. You would be, you would be in, no doubt. This is Jay Valai yesterday meeting the media. says uh, it's pretty obvious that he loves working with Brent Venables. It's a drug being around him 24-7, and it's always go, 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 passion, 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 intensity, intensity, intensity. You see why he's the best defensive mind in, in football. You know, just his mindset and just how intentional he is and how he teaches. You know, this man, like, it, it's not just – Boom, boom, boom. It's teaching to, to the, to, to the uh, minute detail of everything we're talking about on a football field. There's a reason. Or what's the weakness of the defense? You know, why are we doing this? All right, down the distance, why do we need a line like this? Just understanding the picture and how aggressively you teach it and having the mindset of a defense, of a call, is what I love being around. Like in, in BV, you know, Coach Venables is just a tremendous dude, tremendous person. And, uh, you know, once again, you talk about leader. Leading from the front, you know, not from the back. Leading by example, he's that guy for all of us. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm beyond excited to be around him. And, you know, being, I guess, the only guy that's never worked with him on the defense, but always been a good friend, you know, being with him has just been amazing for me. There you go. Man's fired up. Completely unrelated. He kind of sounds like Alex Grinch vaguely, doesn't he? Uh, maybe a little bit. Grinch, though, was an impossible edit. Jay Belay is not okay. An impossible true, but like voice-wise, in mm-hmm. terms of voice recognition, maybe a little bit. Play fi- play uh, five or ten seconds, and we'll 
Let me listen. It's a drug being around him 24-7. And it's always go, 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 passion, 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 intensity, intensity, intensity. You see why he's the best defensive mind in, in football. Yeah, you know, a little just his bit. Mindset. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't – in the studio trying to cut a Brent – or not a Brent Venables, but an Alex Grinch soundbite down was – Oh, it was a nightmare. Oh, there were no pauses at all. He wouldn't stop to take a breath hardly. And he'd bounce around from topics. Oh, and to- he'd my be, He'd be dude. in the middle of one sentence oh, and know. then start a new one that was completely unrelated to the topic at hand. I'm like, I just cut down. That was a seven-minute response, and I cut it down to two minutes. I think that's as short as I can get it right there. No, an Alex Grinch soundbite was at least going to be 60 seconds, if not longer, because it was impossible to edit. And, look, I'm not saying he didn't know football or any of that, but he, he was kind of tough. Kind of tough. All right, what I like about Jay Valido is, man, how much energy is there in that football office right now? It feels like there's a lot of Red Bull over there or some kind of energy drink. I mean, the stories I heard about Brent and his energy drinks during his first stand at Oklahoma were legendary. We know that Dana Holgerson has, you know, a definite love affair with Red Bull. But I don't know. This energy is uh, – it seems like every time you see these guys, they're super energetic. Um, you know, and how would we rank the energy ratings of the coaches over there? Brent won. Jay Valai, too. Are we going to start assigning isotopes? Maybe. Based on their radioactivity? Could be. Could be. Uh, Brent would probably be number one, but Jay Valai might be. It's maybe between Jay Valai and Miguel Chavis for second. Yeah, probably so. Todd Bates is—he's not a super no, Bates, energy Bates guy, is but more I'm, mellow. He's a poet, man. He is a poet. He is—you need those different personalities, though, and it feels like they have a really good mix of personalities. I love this quote from Jay Valai yesterday, talking about man, you, you got to be more than just a great athlete. You got to—you've got to be able to study and know the details to play on the defense. Got to make it boiling in the room, right? <laughs> make it hot. And make sure the guys really understand. But one thing they got to do, you got to study. If you're sitting back here in our scheme thing, like I'm just going to sit back and play ball, it doesn't work like that. You got to understand once again, you know, every single call to the detail, what's my run fit, my pass fit, my pass responsibility, just understand the big picture. And, you know, we don't want to have, you know, look through a, a straw. And what you have to, you got to see the whole picture for what it is. And then you see a little, you see a lot. But one thing we're, we're pushing for all our guys on the entire defense is, you know, understanding the big picture of the defense and understanding your job and responsibility. So you're part of the defense here, whether you're a corner, whether you're a nickel, like we call a cheetah, whether you're, you know, whether you're a linebacker, a safety, a D end, understand your fit, you know, because one thing you got to have is trust in this defense or you're not going to play. There you go. I love having a cheetah on defense. I mean, if somebody asks you if you're playing for the Sooners and you're in the defensive backfield and they ask you what position, you say cheetah, that's pretty cool, right? That needs to be an actual position on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Replace strong safety or whatever with cheetah. It's nickel, right? Wasn't he saying it was kind of the nickel spot, I think, that they were calling oh, okay, that? Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, nickel is cheetah. I mean, Tyreek Hill was cheetah in Kansas City. I don't so that, know does that gonna, mean does that he, mean Jaron Kanick is going to be the new cheetah? I don't know. We'll find out. We certainly will find Gosh, out. Gosh, I'd I'd be beating down the door to be cheetah. If the cheetah position was available and I was a safety or a linebacker, I'd be like, no, switch me positions. Now nah, let me go play cheetah. Yeah, you know another word that I like hearing a lot over there is accountability. 
You hear that a lot, right? When you see those clips of Brent talking about being accountable uh, in so many ways. And, you know, one of the things that happens when you bring in a new coaching staff, particularly the way that Muleshoe left, uh, you always think, oh, man, how much accountability was there with a previous coaching staff? Well, I'm sure they expected that. But if you were hitting on that all the time, like this staff is, and you make it a talking point in almost everything you say, where it seems like they do, you know, eventually that sinks in more, I think. Uh, and we'll see, I mean, how it pays off for the Sooners this coming fall. But it just feels like um, I, you're hearing a lot of the stuff that I think Sooner fans have been wanting to hear and see come to fruition on the field for a while. Physicality, toughness, responsibility, assignments, accountability. Again, not that any previous coaching staff never preached that. They did. But it's in the results on the field, right? And that's where we're going to see if it pays off for Oklahoma. Will it pay off this fall? I'm sure it will in some ways. May it take a couple years for it to fully sink in and and really become something that you can identify, man, this – you can see these guys know their assignments better, their techniques better, uh, their open field tackling is better, they're more physical, they're tougher, they can go longer, all of that. You know, we'll probably see some dividends, I would think, this fall. Now, again, it's spring football. What do you think when you hear that stuff? Uh, do you hear coach speak, or do you think that will be sinking in with this roster fairly quickly? Well, I think <laughs> – Everything a coach says is coach speak to a certain extent, right? A lot of a lot of being a coach and talking to the media is just PR, right? It's about portraying your program in a positive light. So to a certain extent, it's all coach speak. But there's some coach speak that's a lot more believable than other coach speak. And I think it's a lot more believable coming from this staff than it was from the old staff because you see evidence. You see tangible evidence. You want to talk about accountability Mike, consider the fact that I mean, look, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be straight up. Mule Shoe hardly ever kept anybody accountable or held anybody accountable. I think about the situation with Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins and Trajan Bridges and the suspension that they had before the Peach Bowl, and obviously Mule Shoe was uh, he defended them in the public eye, and he said, look, I, I disagree with the fact that these suspensions were handed down by the NCAA and were the suspensions a little extreme on the NCAA's part? Sure, probably, but there wasn't any internal discipline handed down, at least not that we ever knew of, and it was the same thing with Trajan Bridges and Seth McGowan and Mikey Henderson. Now, those guys, they were still on the team until it was confirmed in the public eye that, yeah. oh, they were involved with something really, really bad. And it wasn't it wasn't a secret by that point that they had been involved in something really, really bad. But until the charges were filed, they were still on the they were still on the team. Yulshu didn't part ways with those guys until he absolutely had to. And particularly for a guy like Trajan Bridges, who had a bit of a checkered past, you could argue that he wasn't as proactive with accountability in instances like that as he probably should have been. Now you look at the way that Brent Venables has approached the Justin Harrington situation, <laughs> that is the definition of accountability right there. That is, hey, listen, you quit on this team. If you want to come back, we are going to make you earn it. And we are not going to do you any favors. We are going to strip you of your scholarship. 
We are going to put you on the same level as the walk-ons. You are going to be at the bottom of the totem pole, and you are going to fight tooth and nail to earn your standing back mm-hmm. on this roster. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I feel comfortable in saying this. Uh, just to encapsulate everything the way it looks, Brent Venables is going to run a much tighter ship than Muleshoe did. I don't think there's any doubt about that, if you want to just make a blanket statement. Now, again, I'm not saying that Muleshoe didn't didn't want some discipline in the program and didn't talk about it uh, and didn't preach it to a certain extent. But, again, the proof is in the pudding, right? Now, we haven't seen the pudding yet. April 23rd, you'll see a lot more of the pudding. But I feel very comfortable saying that I think that Brent Ship is going to be run a lot tighter than his. And uh, I think that's that's going to make a difference. I think the little stuff matters a lot, man. I think it does. And, uh, you know, particularly when you're going to the SEC, you've got to get, again, you've got to upgrade talent, particularly on the defense and the defensive line. But that little stuff, the details, all of that stuff is going to matter even more once you go to the SEC. All right, we'll break right here. And uh, when we get back, Bill Self, his second national championship. Kansas looked dead in the water at halftime, but they weren't. They came back, got another natty, number four in their history. We'll talk about it when we return here on The Ref. Back with you. It is a Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Outdoors at Riverwind, some great music coming your way, and we're not too far away. May 28th, you'll be able to see Night Ranger and Starship Outdoors at Riverwind at the 2022 Beats and Bites Festival. Sponsored by, of course, Riverwind Casino and Coop Ale Works. And uh, last year we had Hall of Fame Rockers Cheap Trick out there on the stage, among some other great groups, Living Color, Everclear. We've got Everclear coming June 18th again with Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something. And then on July 9th, the Randy Rogers Band will take the stage with a fireworks show to follow over at Riverwind. So that'll be a fun family affair as well. And then uh, July 30th, Scotty McCreary will take the stage at Beats and Bites 2022. The great outdoor concert series, food trucks everywhere. You've got retail vendors. As I said, the fireworks show July 9th after the Randy Rogers Band finishes up their set. Beats and Bites 2022, it's going to be a great, great, great time. And the tickets are only $5. That's it. That's it, folks. Get online at riverwind.com. Get yours today. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. And, Parker, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks are the best. There was nothing simple about it, though. It looked like they were going to get run out of the gym. Carolina led 40-25 at the half. Led by as many as 16, so the Jayhawks overcome the largest deficit ever in a championship game, rally to win their fourth national championship. Kansas outscoring North Carolina 47-29 in the second half. What do you think the difference was? Man, it's just, look, at the end of the day, I I don't want to say there was – there was a difference because to me in these types of games look you get two heavy hitters that trade each other blow for blow and you don't have home court advantage at play like if they are playing at uh if they're playing at it, what is North Carolina's Dean arena Dome. called the Just Dean Dome yeah. thank you so if they're playing there North Carolina might run away with that game if they're playing at the fog Kansas might build that second half run on one on top of another and bury the Tar Heels. And so when you have two outstanding basketball teams that have withstood the fury of five rounds of March Madness, 
to put themselves in a position to play for a championship and you don't have home court advantage at play, you're going to get a slugfest. And so I think you knew, even when North Carolina took that big lead, that Kansas was going to punch back, and they did. And that's why you see so many of these games. That's why you've seen so many of these championship games over the years, Mike, go down to the wire. It's because you're getting the two teams that have navigated the fray to put themselves in position, and neither one of them is going to go down lightly. Well, I, I thought KU would uh, punch back, yes, but I thought they would kind of wear out, and Carolina, you know, they would get back within five or something. You know, you see a team make a run, and they kind of run out of gas. But it looked to me like Carolina ran out of gas. They played the late game. Uh, you know, they, they really had to work for that win to eliminate Duke in the Final Four matchup, the late game Saturday night. Uh, by the way, Baycott's ankle injury was huge. You had to see Brady Manick. What was he doing at OU? Playing post-defense in his last season at OU. Uh, and he ends up having to guard McCormick there down the stretch. And you knew where that ball was going. But I thought Brady Manick played really well, man. You look at his line, 13 points, 13 boards, four block shots for Brady Manick. He shot uh, 50% from the field, 50% from three-point range, four of eight and three of six. What happened on the last play, though? Did you figure out why he stumbled? Did he get tripped? Did he just slip? Because he was seemed, bumbling and stumbling and fumbling. It almost seemed and, intentional. I watched that and I was like, "Is he doing that on purpose? Is like, is that some sort? Is that some sort of ploy to shake the defender and try to get open for a shot? I I don't know, but it didn't seem like he was." in a hurry to get back on his feet. It was almost like yeah, it he was dropped strange. To all fours intentionally. Yeah, it was almost like, yeah, he was down on the floor. It was really a weird deal. I I didn't get to hear if Hubert Davis was asked about that, but it was a very uh, strange play at the end of the game. But uh, give it up to Kansas, man. Like I said, man, they took a huge punch. Uh, they got a standing eight count. They came back and won the fight last night against North Carolina. Let's hear from Bill Self. It had been 14 years since KU had won a championship, 2008, the Mario Chalmers team that beat Memphis. You know, Bill Self even said leading up to the Final Four, you know what, we've had some good teams, we should probably have more. Well, they got it done last night and ended that 14-year drought. Oh, it's, well, it is. It's a long time. It's 14 years. Uh, 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 we've had some really good teams and some great players uh, uh, during that stretch. Uh, of course, Kansas is always going to have good guys. Uh, uh, but it, it's 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 been a while, uh, but you know these things don't fall off trees. I mean, they're hard to get, and uh, I, I think uh, I could be wrong, but uh, there's only a handful of programs that's won two in the last 14 years, and we've become one of them now. So uh, uh, really excited about that. There you go, Bill Self talking about Kansas winning last night, 72-69. Uh, he becomes the first KU coach to win two national titles, Fog Allen and Larry Brown, the others. Uh, you know, how about this stat, by the way? How often is this going to happen in any game, much less a national championship game? North Carolina out-rebounded Kansas by 20, 55-35. What? It was a 20-rebound differential, and – Kansas still won the game. That's astonishing. That I would is. I would never have guessed that watching yeah, that game. That's crazy. And, uh, you know, the first half, I, I tell you where Carolina, you know, where it didn't happen for Carolina last night was with Caleb Love. 
you know, hits a big shot against Duke, been playing really well. Five of 24, one of eight from three-point range. They really got after Caleb Love and R.J. Davis on the defensive end. Do you think that the outcome of that game, there's no way to know, but the Baycott injury, I would have liked to have seen what would have happened if Baycott hadn't rolled the ankle again, right? Mm -hmm. Because, again, Brady Manning can only do so much against McCormick, and Bill Self challenged McCormick, you know, and we need more from you. We need you to play tougher. And it kind of early in the game, he, he was playing all right. But then the rest of the first half, when Carolina got on that roll, and he was pretty much a non-factor. And, uh, you know, pretty pretty amazing, though, that comeback. Again, never seen one of that uh, with that large of a deficit ever before in the championship game. So Kansas got it done, and they beat Carolina to win the national championship. Are you of the thought that this championship will eventually be vacated because of all the potential problems for KU and the Adidas bagmen? Here's what? the thing. The potential problems for KU have been percolating for like five years. They have so been. I'm kind of wondering, well, at this point, like, when is it all going to catch up to them? You know, if, if they were going to have to start vacating wins and they were going to face sanctions, why hasn't it happened by now? Yeah, you know, uh, and Oklahoma State decided, you know what, we're going to cooperate with these guys. Oh, by the way, they just told us we're out of the tournament. Well, they didn't do it. It took forever before they found out, of course, and I can still remember the Mike Boynton press conference, how angry he was. But uh, for KU, man, it seems like uh, seems like a different standard, does it not? Uh, and I like Bill Self. I'm happy for Bill Self. He just lost his dad a couple months ago. But there was a time where people thought that Bill Self might, might, might be out of a job because of the black cloud that was hovering over Lawrence, Kansas. But it appears to have dissipated. And at least, um, you know, we haven't seen anything come from that yet. So we'll see. Look at you using the word dissipated. How Mike. about, it. by the way, how about, how about Mark Emmert last night? When, oh, when he called him the Kansas City Jayhawks? Yes. I was like, I was thinking, man, Mark Emmert, that could be applicable to so many different situations. Is that not but, the most Mark Emmert thing of all time? Mark Emmert is a buffoon. I would agree. Mark Emmert, does anyone actually take that man seriously anymore? What kind of power does he have? He tells his kids to turn off the PlayStation and they laugh. No, he has no authority. Maybe. I he mean, loves he to probably, act his like kids it, are probably grown, but they could be a loser like me and still be playing video games, so who knows? All right. Uh we're gonna go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line in the next segment. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. All right. We're gonna get to as many texts as we can in this next segment. Keep it right here. It is the ref, Steelman and Thune at noon on a Tuesday. Good to have you along for the ride. Let's keep riding when we get back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune here on The Ref on your Tuesday. Thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. We're going to get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Big news today. Tiger said, as of now, I am playing. So unless there's a major setback, Tiger Woods will be teeing it up at 934 Oklahoma time on Thursday. Playing with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman at Augusta. I can't believe I'm still looking at the video right now, and I still can't believe it. But I'm fired up about it, very fired up. All right, uh, Parker, you want to head to the text line? Let's go right ahead. Let's well, see what the folks are saying. 
Okay, one listener says, Mike and Parker, I know, Parker, you cover football recruiting, but I have a question about men's basketball. With Alston Mason going into the transfer portal, will OU be okay with Cortez and a point guard coming into the program in the 2022-23 class? Thanks. That comes from Curtis. Now, the reality is I don't think Alston Mason was ever going to see substantial time at Oklahoma because Bijan Cortez was clearly better than him this past season. And also, you got a couple of combo guards coming in in Otega Uwe and Milos Uzan that are ballers. Mm-hmm. I mean, high-end basketball players, high-end scorers. So, Mason, you know, he he was athletic, certainly. He could handle the ball. He could shoot a little bit. But he never had he, – he didn't have the star potential that somebody like Milos Uzan or Ortega Uwe has, and he just wasn't as reliable on both, both ends of the ball as Bijan Cortez. That's the reason why Cortez began to see the floor more and more is because – he wasn't spectacular. He wasn't a star, but he was reliable. Now, what this does is it opens up a scholarship for Oklahoma to be able to add a player via the transfer portal. And I almost believe that Porter Moser kind of helped ease Austin Mason out the it, door. It was a mutual decision, yeah. mutual party. Yeah, you think? because Oklahoma wants to bring in at least a player or two via the portal. They've been in contact with several such players. And they need, they needed, and they still need. I would say, a spot to slot in those transfers. So Alston Mason is obviously already in the portal. I would look at maybe Rick Asanza as another guy. I know he was in the portal last off season, but especially with how little he played this year for the Sooners after withdrawing for the portal to come back to Norman. Maybe Rick Asanza is on his way out, too. And at that point, you have two open scholarships that you can fill with competent players from the transfer portal. And my thought is, look, and, and I don't want to disparage a kid from Oklahoma, and I'm, I'm not going to disparage the kid at all, but uh, Bijan Cortez had some moments. That Tech game was unbelievable in Norman. But I, I don't know. I don't see him being your lead point guard, do you? Long term? You talking about Bijan now? Yeah. Yeah, I mean – I mean, I think he's a decent player, and I think he's going to get better. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, I don't know. I think I, I Bichon's just... kind of the ideal sixth man. Yeah. That's and, how I look at him. Yeah. You know, we'll he's, he's he distributes well on offense. He can go score when he needs to. He plays good defense for the most part, but he's never going to take over a game. And particularly in the backcourt, you need a couple of guys who are capable of taking over a game, particularly in the Big 12, Mike. And so, yeah, I, I, I think Bijan Cortez maybe becomes a starter for this program down the line if things shake out just so. But I think more than likely he's probably what Alondis Williams never truly was in Norman, which is the sixth man that gets 15 to 20 minutes a game, impacts the game on both sides, and is first in line to spell either of your guards when they end up in foul trouble. I like Bijan Cortez. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he already has proven that he is a good player and a good option for Porter Moser. But he's not the type of fluid, elite scorer that I think the Sooners are going yeah, to need. I'm with you on board. that. I am with you on that. All right, let's get back to the uh, text line. We've got a couple minutes before we get a break for the top of the hour. Since 2000, only six teams have won multiple men's basketball titles. Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, Florida, and UConn. Mm -hmm. That's a lot when you think about it. 
Yeah, to and, have. Uh, Billy Donovan, of course, Florida won back to back. Did anybody? Nobody else won back to back. Though it was Florida. That was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, with uh, Al Horford, uh, Joe Kim Noah, and uh, Corey Brewer. That team. Uh, and was Haslam? Haslam was on that team too. No, was, Haslam was, was preceded later? that team. Did he no. proceed? Yeah, he his last year at Florida was oh one. Was it really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's been in the league a long time. He has been in the league a long time. A long time. He's been in the league longer than some of the current players across the NBA have been alive. That's how much of a veteran Udonis Haslam is, which mad respect to him because at six foot eight, he's not even like he's not your prototypical power forward, but he's made himself a living. Yeah, he has. Uh Kansas will always find a way around it, it being sanctions, because they make ESPN too much money to be in trouble. That comes from a listener via the text line. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And, you know, I, I think uh, college basketball, uh, and look, things have changed with football, but look, the, the name image likeness is applying to everybody, not just football players. But I kind of felt like for a while, it's just kind of like with Memphis. I mean, Memphis got that great recruiting class. They struggled early in the season with Penny Hardaway, you know, even getting after reporters, you're being too hard on us, you know, those comments. But now the NCAA is – very interested in what's going on uh, at Memphis, and there could be some sanctions coming there. But you never know what's going to happen. We kind of thought that was going to happen with KU, but it hasn't. KU cuts down the nets last night. National championship number four for the Jayhawks, first since 2008 when they won. Uh, that was in San Antonio, I think, back in 2008, KU beating Memphis. All right, we got another hour to go. Talk more Sooner Spring football. Get more texts in. Stay with us here on The Ref. All right, here we go. Hour oh number boy. two. What? Oh, boy. You've got that mischievous smile oh on your yeah. face, Steely. I was thinking What's about What's about to go down? I was thinking about a Bill Self story, I was told. that There's nothing tawdry about it. Okay, well, you have to tell it now. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? It involves a uh, him being a kid before he was coaching. Okay. And uh, playing golf and having an emergency on the golf course, having to run to the wooded area. When you're talking emergency, you're talking Bobby, who, Bobby Hurley? I'm talking, yes. Who does number two want for is what I'm talking about. And Bill Self, according to somebody – that I know, long, long time ago, had to use his golf shirts for the after party. And uh, then proceeded to play the rest of the round shirtless. Long, long time ago in a galaxy very far away. I, I, I don't even know how to react to that. And still won, I guess, that particular day on the golf course so there's a metaphor there maybe things got very dirty at one point and you thought the round was over but he came back and won the championship shirtless you ever uh, have incidents where you feel like a moron that you think to yourself i might actually be a real moron i mean yes i feel like we all have those moments i'm still just trying to figure out how to react to that the Bill Self story? Yes, the Bill Self story. 
I mean, it was the code red apparently out on the golf course. And when there's the code red happens, what are you going to do? He ordered the code red. Wow. I, I th- <laughs> well, I, when I heard there's nothing tawdry about this story, I was like, okay, this is Well, maybe. Be- is that tawdry? I guess it is somewhat tawdry, but that's oh, why man. I was laughing because I was watching the Bill Self clip and that story popped in my head and it brought a smile to my face. How far you can go in life. Bizarre stuff. Yes, very bizarre. All right, so I felt like a moron the other day. Here's another question. Never use a shirt, always use the sock. Okay. There we go. It, uh, so that's coming from someone with experience <laughs> in this particular <laughs> discipline? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Another one says, what a rookie. The move is to cut off the sleeves, not waste the whole shirt. Now, this was apparently, again, a pretty young Bill Self back in the day. I, I don't. It's not like he was uh, out yeah. there playing with a coach's clinic with Dean Smith or something back in the day. This was a long, long, very long time ago. And I believe the incident happened at Kicking Bird, I was told. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So maybe they should put, like, they have the plaque where Hogan hit that uh, iron shot at, what, Medina back in the day? Oh, or gosh. Phil, they, they have a plaque there. <laughs> oh, no. Or the Jayhawk logo or something. Maybe not. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I okay. love how people have made I, this. Yeah. They've done this on the course, and they have a better system. This apparently system. is not a particularly uncommon phenomenon because many listeners are chiming in via the Air Comfort Solutions sex line with their recommendations <laughs> on how Bill Self should have addressed the quote-unquote emergency. <laughs> I love the, what a rookie! The move is to cut off the sleeves, not waste the whole shirt. Yeah, because Bill now, Self just got a pair of scissors in his golf bag. You never know, man, how messy that's going to get, though. You know? I'm just saying. Jeez. So anyway, I was talking about the moron moments. Um, so our ice machine at Shea Stadium on the fridge all of a sudden is having issues. Okay. Uh, it's not working properly. So we've had to go until we get it fixed and go, and we were out running some errands. I think Shay and I went to, uh, to get something to eat, and as we're going back, we stop at 7-Eleven to get some ice. So I go in, I purchase the ice. I go into the, you know, the outdoor little ice thing, the box, whatever sure. it is, container. As one does. I, but it's almost empty. So I reach way down there, way in there, grab the bag of ice, pop up quickly, and bang my back of my head, you know, on the ice machine. Of course. Now, your spouse in that situation is supposed to do what? Like, come check on you if it could be a potential concussion? No, I mean, I'd, just pro- I'd probably just laugh. Well, I saw behind the tinted windshield that my wife was cracking up and couldn't stop laughing. I mean, this could have been a very dangerous situation. I could have been out cold. It was quite the – there was an impact Out there. cold. I see what you did there. This, this, there was an impact. And I look, and my wife is in there crying tears, shaking her head, can't stop laughing. That's, that's iconic. Okay. Respect to Shay for that. Yeah, I probably would have done Not if she had, of course, but if, like, you had done it and we were on a road trip, yeah, I would have been laughing too. Okay, so, so I'll tell you what. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to expose myself here. Uh-oh. The biggest I'm a moron moment that I have ever had came probably two years ago. I was at Trader Joe's, 
And I don't shop at Trader Joe's often. It's not really in close proximity to my house, so I really have no reason to go to Trader Joe's. Uh, but at Trader Joe's, one of the things that they sell uh, is, you know, you can get a jar of Trader Joe's peanut butter cups. Mm-hmm. They're just like, they're like Reese's cups, except they're dark chocolate. It's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to try these. I'm going to get a, uh, a jar of dark chocolate peanut butter cups. They come in this big tub type of thing. And so I purchased the tub and crack it open on the drive home, pop one in my mouth, and I, it, it tastes good. I'm, just, I'm, I'm sitting there chewing it. And I realize at a certain point it's just getting significantly tougher to chew. And I'm like, why is this getting so difficult to chew? Why does it feel like it almost it almost felt like I was dealing with licorice or something mm-hmm. for a second, yeah. just the way it was kind of gumming up my teeth and not really breaking down the way you expect it to. And so I I keep chewing it for like two or three minutes. I mean, it's taking forever for me to finish chewing this thing. And then finally I look back at the tub and I realize that all of the little peanut butter cups are individually wrapped with the little the little ah, paper. Ah, okay. Yeah. But you can barely tell because it's dark <laughs> chocolate, right? And so it's almost like the chocolate and the little paper wrap that's around it are essentially the same color. So I wasn't paying close enough attention because, you know, I'm just – I'm driving with one hand. I'm mm-hmm. cracking open the tub with the other hand. And it never occurred to me that once you open the tub, you got to take the wrapper off. And so for three minutes, I've been chewing this peanut butter cup that still has a wrapper on it. And at that moment, I <laughs> I literally banged my head against the <laughs> steering wheel. I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. I am a lower form of being. Sometimes it happens, though, like you were probably going on a road trip somewhere and grabbed those and thought, I'm going to take them on the road. And then you just reached over. You had no idea, though, right? That something similar like that happened to me that was much scarier. Because I used to, as a kid, I liked milk duds a lot. So uh, as an adult, of course, I still eat candy because I'm a child, basically. Yes. And this has been, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. But I got a box of milk duds. I'm eating them on the way. And then I was eating one. And I'm like, man, this is like the crunchiest milk dud ever. What do they put in this thing? Is this a faulty? Did they mix it with like a malted milk ball or something? Wait a minute. That's a tooth. No. A tooth fell out. A tooth. Yes. You were chewing your own tooth. I Well, I bit down kind of, and I heard this crunch, and I'm like, what the heck? And then I kind of like, and again, then I look, it's like, oh, that's a tooth that's falling apart. Good. And basically, it was one of those old crowns that... The milk dud, because of the gooiness of the milk well, dud. Well, see, that's why you had it, crowns in the first place, Pulled it Steely. right out of there, man. Right out of there. Milk duds are why you had crowns in the first place. Yeah. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line. You're right, uh, 405-651-3439. I'm surprised we haven't got talk some sports yet. I know. Hey, if you're comfortable sharing, yes. tell us the dumbest moment of your life on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. The one moment where you felt... 
whether for a moment or whether for a while thereafter, you might be like you were a dishonor mm. to the human race. Yeah, absolutely. I've told you the other one, and you were laughing it a long time ago. That's when I went to the Arby's drive-thru, ordered my food, went <laughs> to the drive-thru, paid in full, and drove straight <laughs> off without any food. And then realized about a mile down the road, reaching over it, because you got to get a fry or something on the, sure. you know. Wait a minute, there's no food. Had to circle all the way back, go back. And like I said, you know that little window they have for the uh for the drive-thru there were about oh, five yes. people looking like here comes the moron again <laughs> they're all looking like who is this guy oh my god what an idiot so anyway all right we'll get that going and we are going to talk uh, a little sooner football when we get back latest on recruiting and uh, we got uh brandon rabar coming up thunder playing its last home game tonight a lot of sooner football mixed in with a little thunder and tiger said earlier this morning Right now, he's playing at Augusta. He'll be teeing it up 9.34 Central Time with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman at the Augusta National Golf Club, where truly you will find heaven on earth. All right, stay with us. We're coming right back. That might be the greatest one-hit wonder of all time. Dexie's Midnight Runners. I would say it's definitely on the Rushmore of one-hit wonders. No doubt. All right. Uh, let's see, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to you at 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. We'll get a few texts in, and then we'll talk a little uh, sooner football. All right. What do we have in terms of moronic behavior? Okay. Here we go. This the, uh, Several examples of moronic behavior via the Air Comfort Solutions text line from our outstanding and very transparent listeners. One says, first time eating at In-N-Out Burger in San Francisco in the wee hours of the morning after a night of drinks with my wife. My wife is raving about her burger, and mine really sucks. It's dry bun, it's chewy, finally looked down, and I realized I had eaten over half of the wrapper <laughs> that the burger is served on. So very, very similar to what I had been dealing with with the uh, the peanut butter cups. Sounds like there might have been uh, more than a few drinks that night in that situation. Yeah, uh, well, that yes, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the sense I get. One listener says, "I once ate a burger from Brahms, and I got three fourths of the way done with it and realized there was no meat in the burger. I took it to the counter and showed her, and she looked at me like I was an idiot." Hmm. I don't know who's dumber in that scenario. Whoever made the burger without the meat or whoever ate the burger without the meat. Yeah, crazy. Uh, so we're asking, what was your most moronic moment? Uh, somebody texted in, when I tuned into this station, we got ourselves a comedian right here. Oh, boy, here's one. When's the stand-up tour starting? Uh, here's one. Have you ever reached over... And drank from a pop bottle only to find out it's a spit can. Oh, no. I've had a career in smokeless tobacco, which I do not recommend. It's horrible, 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 horrible. And hillbilly. But luckily, I've never done that. One listener says, I once made a joke about people from Arkansas to my boss, whom I did not know was coincidentally from Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) The Arkansas stereotypes are not flattering, so I can see how that would not have gone over well. Yeah. Probably, uh, the the promotion probably never came after that, right? I would think not. I don't know. (laughs) Really? Oh, gosh. 
<laughs> not going to read that one. No. No, that's that's on par with the Bill Self story. It is. But. It's a little too descriptive and, uh, yeah, just a little bit too descriptive there. All right. Uh, I want to talk a little sooner football. We've been talking spring football. Um, what is the latest on uh, Dylan Edwards? Uh, you know, we're thinking Oklahoma, right, still, but – what percentage chance do you have him going to the Sooners right now? I would say I still favor Oklahoma, probably 60%. And the um, competition will be? Competition will be Kansas State, uh, Texas A&M if they do offer Dylan Edwards. Jackson State is in the mix. He wants to visit Washington. He wants to visit Nebraska. But Oklahoma looks like the leader in the clubhouse right now. There's a chance he'll be back on campus this weekend for a visit. That is not 100% confirmed. But obviously, I, I saw Dylan on the 7-on-7 seven seven circuit this past weekend, and he said, yeah, I may be back Friday. We'll see. So as soon as we have that confirmed one way or another, obviously we'll have the update for all of you listening. But – that is the situation with Dylan Edwards, uh, the fine running back out of Derby, Kansas, who was the state's Gatorade Player of the Year in 2021 as a junior. Now, he's got ridiculous speed, Mike, and you can see it on tape, but you watch him in person. Man, it's impressive how well that dude runs. He will be a nightmare in Oklahoma's offense if the Sooners close on him. You know, they had, when Muleshoe was here, obviously Raleigh Brown, and uh, Raleigh Brown, five-star, was going to be filling that role for Oklahoma. How close is he, in your opinion, to being at that level? Is there a little bit of difference? Is it a, you know, Raleigh Brown on one tier and he's on another? Or is it really, is it close and maybe he just doesn't have the uh, the pub that Raleigh Brown has? Raleigh Brown is better built for college football than Dylan Edwards. Uh, he is more muscular. He's thicker. He is just generally more physically capable of holding up when you're talking about taking repeated hits over the course of a football game from linebackers who are 240 250 pounds so I think that's the that's the preeminent concern with Dylan Edwards and that's maybe why he's less of a highly regarded commodity on the recruiting trail than Rayleigh Brown was because Brown was a lot more physically impressive a lot more stocky and a lot better built for only being about five foot eight and it's kind of like Darren Sproles man he may be small but man he was he was like a fire hydrant you know Built like that. A uh, fire hydrant. Well, yeah, it was like, man, just short but stout and tough. So the main thing with Dylan Edwards is the, uh, you know, how much abuse or how many hits can he take. And it's not like they would be handing him the football a lot, but, you know, they're trying to get the ball. They would be trying to get him the ball in space, that kind of thing. But it's not like he's a running back who would be getting 15 touches a game or something like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Okay, the next commitments that you believe is on the way that Sooner fans will get really excited about, and they're going to get excited about any commitment, but the one that will really get them fired up, that one would be who? Uh, that's a good question. There's no real obvious answer. I'd be tempted to say David Stone just because everybody kind of realizes that's imminent. It's just a matter of when it drops. And so, I, yeah, I'll go ahead and say David Stone because if and when he commits here over the next couple of months, he's going to be the first – well, I, I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself because Gabriel Brown-Lodindy was the first five-star defensive commit 
for the Sooners since Caleb Kelly, and look how that all ended up. But I don't think you worry about David Stone flipping once he's locked down and locked in with Oklahoma. So I I would expect that David Stone will announce his commitment to OU within the next couple of months here. And if that's the case, that's something that you can real that you can you can feel really good about that because that then sets the table for the remainder of the 2024 class and you have a leader whom you're going to be able to build around and who's going to recruit his peers and recruit his peers at IMG Academy no less. Yeah, if you can get an end to IMG, that's huge. And uh, the Sooners have had, again, Buki was there, uh, TJ Pleasure was there. But it's not like Oklahoma had a pipeline from there. And if you can establish that, that's going to be a great situation for the Sooners, obviously, arguably the best high school program in the country. Okay, so uh, when you look at Oklahoma recruiting, we've talked about this a bunch, the OU fan base, how are they going to – how are they going to handle this deferred gratification? It's a little bit, they're so fanatical about everything Oklahoma football, but particularly if you're really a recruit, Nick, you are a next level uh, fan, you know? Um, and, you know, patience is a good song by Guns N' Roses and also something difficult to deal with in recruiting. It's kind of like, you know, telling a kid once he's first started getting his allowance, you know, you need to be saving that, you know, saving saving for something and put it in the bank. They immediately, they want to go buy something, right? They want it right now. And that's kind of what Sooner fans, and I know that, you know, you can't get every recruit instantly that you're after, but we've talked about because of the philosophy, unless you're fully committed to us, go take visits. Oh, you fans are going to have to wait. May have to wait a while, Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how not only the uh, you know the coaches they've had this philosophy Brent had that philosophy so they can deal with it but the fan base is going to be freaking out when they start seeing OU maybe you know at 19 or something in the rankings and oh my gosh is this working but once you get somebody to commit to you again you know they're fully committed right okay so. Completely unrelated here, Mike, and sorry to get off topic. No, that's all right. But <laughs> the, the the text line has gone from dumbest things you've ever done to weirdest burger experience you've ever had. So we'll get to those in a minute. But no, <laughs> as far as far as recruiting is concerned, you know, we talk we talk often about the new f- philosophy and how it's going to impact the rankings and just the general flow of the recruiting cycle, and it's going to take some getting used to. And there will always be the squeaky wheels across the fan base that are up in arms in May and June because Oklahoma doesn't have a top 10 recruiting class wondering what on earth is going on and why can't this new staff recruit? No, Brent Venables didn't get this player committed, so he's not the right guy for the job. I mean, people were already firing Brent Venables on the text line last week when the Sooners didn't get LT over. Mm -hmm. So uh, the reality is you're always going to have dissenters regardless of what the philosophy is. There's no way – I'll rephrase – There is no ethical way to ensure that you are at the tip of the top throughout the entire recruiting cycle in the rankings. There's ebb and flow for every program. That's just the nature of the beast. The recruiting cycle lasts a full year from February to February. And so there's going to be fluctuation. There's going to be change. You can count on it. 
that's <laughs> that's the way this is going to go. And you would rather have Oklahoma making its surge in the rankings towards the end of the cycle than in July or August. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, you know, I guess a bad. I specialize in bad analogies. They're gonna they're gonna have to pick up a lot of runs in like the eighth and ninth inning, right? Oh, you. Uh, and that's but Brent has laid that out. That's the way they're going about their business because they don't want, want wishy-washy kids again. Yeah, I'm committed to Oklahoma, but man, I'm going to go check out Notre Dame and see what's happening. And you know, well, you're, as they explained, are you really committed? Then you aren't. I mean, you're leaning. Basically, you're leaning a certain direction, but you're not committed at all. Precisely. You want to get a few more uh, texts in before we break. One listener says, my dad ordered half a dozen burgers from a Hardee's. We drove off and opened them. They were all meatless. Hmm. I, Man. How, how does this happen? I Because apparently know. this happens pretty frequently from what the text line is indicating. Another listener says, went through the McDonald's drive-thru, paid for the food at the first window, and just pulled off without getting my food. Had to go back and go inside the lobby because there was five cars in line when I got back. So you have at least one sympathizer. There you stealing. go. Yeah. One listener says, dumbest thing I've ever done was move to Oklahoma. Love the show anyway. <laughs> Come on, the great state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma standard and our wacky, weird, wild weather. You got to love that. Thank you for saying <laughs> Of, that, of the Bill Self story, one listener says, that's why you keep a multi-tool knife in your golf bag and have a sizable golf towel. Boy Scout, always be prepared. Yeah, I think based on the story that I was told a long time ago that maybe would have been like 14, 15 years old, something like that. Maybe maybe a little after that, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe the brain wasn't fully developed at that point. Do you carry a pocket knife? Because old people I used, used to. to always carry a pocket knife. Was that a Nebraska thing? Like Shay's dad carried a pocket knife. No. My dad carried a pocket knife. Yeah, I mean, I did when I was younger. When I was in high school, I did. Were you in some Nebraska gang or something? No, or I wasn't, and I wasn't a Boy Scout either. It was just I mean, it was one of those things that you do. The black shirts. But, yeah, I, I haven't in years. I quit the Boy Scouts. Really? Yes, because we met on Saturdays, and college football was on Saturdays, and I was like, I'm not going to go learn how to tie a freaking knot while college football's on. So you, Sorry. You, you weren't a cultural fit for don't the Boy you, Scouts. Don't you want to be a Weeblow? Hell no. I want to watch the game. So, yes, I quit the Boy Scouts. Really proud of it. Look how far I've come. I started in this building, and I'm back in this building. So it was a great, great decision. Full circle. I bet you did well in the Boy Scouts, didn't you? You got all the patches. You moved way up. You were probably like a five-star. I was not a Boy Scout, ever. I thought you were. No, never. I'm very confused. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I thought I heard Boy Scout. Like no, because oh, I literally used... said I, yeah, I, I'm not. I wasn't a Boy oh, Scout. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought somehow I had you in the Boy Scouts. Yeah, no, certainly not. Not my speed. But you carried a pocket knife, so that's why I thought okay, he was probably a Boy Scout. All right, we got a break. When we get back, saw a little hoops and uh, more Sooner football on the way. Tigers playing at Augusta. All is good. The planets aligned. And Tiger will tee it up Thursday at Augusta National. Stay here. All right, we are back. See Victor Hovland, uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy, on uh, the stage in the media center now at Augusta. He'll be uh, a guy to look at, possibly winning the green jacket. You're going to have to chip it better. 
His short game has uh, failed him a little bit, but a uh, great ball striker and uh, hobbling one of the top five players in the world, so he could very well be in contention and possibly win if he has a good week at Augusta coming up on Sunday. All right, final home game for the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight, taking on the Portland Trail Blazers. We welcome in Brandon Rabar, DailyThunder.com, on the law offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, and uh, Brandon uh, right now, you know, you're looking at where Oklahoma City is, and I know people are very angry about the uh, the win the other night against Phoenix. Although Poku, you know, first half he looked horrible, second half he looked like Magic Johnson, which is very encouraging. But more likely right now for Oklahoma City to get up in the top three or to be caught by the Pacers and finish like in the five spot. Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, you know, they're still tied for number three with the Pistons, but this game tonight is big, and that's why the Thunder are pulling out all the stops. They just signed two guys to a 10-day hardship from the uh, from the G League, from the Blue, and, you know, one of them is a six-foot guard whose go-to move is a, is a hook shot, and uh, the other one, I'm going to have you say his name for me because you're always much better pronouncing the names than I am. I've read it, but I haven't even heard it yet. Look, the Thunder are, are trying their best to uh, increase their odds for those top three. But these guys, every night they go out, they play with 100% effort. They're well coached. And they're winning games that you think that they have you know, no business of winning at all. So if I had to say... Unfortunately, I'd say it's more likely uh, they're in danger with the uh, Pacers. Now, of course, Brandon, we're all looking ahead to the draft and what that's going to provide for Oklahoma City in terms of reinforcements. But let's look beyond that for a moment and look ahead to next season. You think next season the Thunder have the chance to turn it around to the point where they're back in playoff contention, or you think it's a rebuild that takes two or three years to where the Thunder are really, really good and swinging with the heavy hitters? Yeah, the, you know, that's the big question that's that's kind of on most Thunder fans' minds. Like, is next year going to be the year they push for the play-in? I, I've said since the beginning, I thought that the year after is the year that they'll go, and, and it kind of seems to line up with Kimball Walker's money coming off the books after next season, Derek Favors' contract will come off the books, uh, even though he's probably likely gone before that, but they might get a contract back for him, so they'll still leave money on the books after next season. And this coming season, they there is a, a, a LeBron James-level hyped player coming out named Victor Wimbanyana. Uh, he's an international prospect, seriously the most hyped prospect probably since LeBron. So I, I imagine the Thunder will try their best to uh, add a guy like that, if at all possible, for one last, I, don't, I won't call it a tanking season because I think they'll try to win with what they have, but one last rebuilding season. Brandon Rabar with us, DailyThunder.com, Oklahoma City and Portland tonight, final home game at the Paycom Center tonight at 7 o'clock, and then a uh, three-game road trip to end the season at Utah Wednesday, Friday at the Lakers, L.A. playing at the Suns tonight, and then Sunday against the L.A. Clippers. Uh, anything change for you watching the tournament in terms of, uh, again, prospects for Oklahoma City? And let's say somehow that Oklahoma City, you know, if you if you end up in that five spot, the lowest you can go is to nine, I believe, in terms of the lottery. 
Uh, what, get, what about guys below five or so that you think could be uh, intriguing for OKC? So as far as uh, the tournament changing anything, I, I still view Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith Jr. and Jaden Ivey as highly as I did. I was a little bit low on Paolo Bancaro. Uh, I'm high on him again, seeing like how well he performed with the spotlight on him, and some of his teammates didn't quite perform as well, like A.J. Griffin, and he stepped up. His three ball looks better. Uh, his intensity, you know, matched the tourney. So I'm higher on him now. I got him right there with those those other guys in the top three or four. As far as guys five or below, I, I still really, really like Shaden Sharp. He didn't play a minute of college ball this year for Kentucky, but he was ranked the number one prospect in his high school class. John Calipari swears he would be the number one pick if he came out a year later. He has that pedigree. Also, Keegan Murray, uh, the power forward from Iowa, one of the best scorers in the nation, plays solid defense. He can play the three or four. He's got a good outside shot, just an all-around good player. A.J. Griffin, he's a great shooter. Not sure about the athleticism and the injuries. And then uh, Benedict Matherin, uh, he looked really nice. He's kind of a Jaden Ivey light. Uh, he would be a nice consolation prize as well. So I think that's the next tier. Okay, Brandon, as you take a look at this playoff race as it begins to take shape, uh, Steely has said on this show it looks to him like – the Bucks and the Suns are destined for a collision course in a finals rematch. How do you see this shaking out down the stretch here across the NBA? Yeah, I agree with Mike on the Suns. You know, I know that the Grizzlies have looked really good even without Jaw. They're just a really good overall team, well coached, but they just don't have the, the playoff experience yet, and I do think that that matters uh, in the bet experience when, when the playoffs hit. So I see the Suns out of the West. I, you know, the Warriors, I'm not sure if they're going to get fully healthy with, with Steph or not. As far as the East, it is so rough. Uh, I do like the Bucks because they proved it last year. I think that Giannis is the best player. But, you know, if the Nets can can come all the way up, if, if Katie and Kyrie can figure things out, I don't see it. 76ers have so much potential with Harden and Embiid. Miami, it's hard to trust, even though, you know, they might have the number one spot. Boston, it's hard to trust because they don't have the superstar power. You know, I know Tatum and Brown are great. I, I kind of, with Mike, it feels like the Suns and Bucks. If I had to choose, I, I would go with uh, the Suns and Bucks. All right, Brandon, before we let you go, KD said the other day on a podcast on, on The Ringer that, you know, if Oklahoma City and Golden State should both retire his jersey, he said if they don't, particularly I think he was aiming it towards Oklahoma City, uh, if they don't do it, that's personal. And, you know, as much as, you know, this proves after uh, so many years, maybe I've finally gotten over this. Maybe I'll do that with Muleshoe too. But he's right. He's right, I think. What do you think? I do th- – well- I think he's right that the Thunder should retire his jersey. Look, I mean, you know, most of the Thunder's greatest moments and even KD's greatest moments are intertwined. I mean, I'd like for one day down the road, you know, for for those wounds to be healed and apologies to be made on his side, by the way. Uh, but the whole have-to thing kind of rubs him wrong. They don't have to. You know, it's, it's one of those deals. You know, he's, he's been kind of throwing shade at the Thunder ever since he left. If he would, you know, say some nice things, you know, extend an olive branch. I think that Thunder fans would be forgiving and, and the Thunder organization. I, I think it would be nice to embrace those fun special teams because those were great memories. But but I think that uh, KD has, has some work to do on his end. 
before it happens. I do think it'll happen eventually down the road, though. Brandon, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be wrapping up the regular season and looking ahead to the draft. Have a great weekend. Absolutely. Take it easy, Mike Parker. All right, Brandon Rabar joining us. The weekends are a long way away, but we won't talk until Brandon. So I want to, you know, get, don't wish him a happy rest of the week. You know, you wish them happy weekend. Now maybe I should have wished him a good rest of the week because he's still got to deal with Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I should call him back and say, "Hey, I meant week, okay? Not just I think the you're weekend. reading a little too far. I into don't this know. Deal. I just, I, I just feel bad. I just said have a good weekend. That could mean that you know, I hope you have a bad day Wednesday and Thursday." And I don't, I don't want him to think that. He's a friend. All right, we'll break right here. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll come back. We'll hit some uh, texts when we get back on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Good to have you with us on The Ref on a Tuesday. We shall return. All right, we're back. Final segment we've got locked in, coming in uh, with – Parker and Tyler McComas, top of the hour, right here on The Ref. Hope you're having a great Tuesday so far. And we're getting to the Air Comfort Solutions text line for a few more before we get out of here. The big news today, Tiger Woods saying that as of now, he plans to play in the Masters. His tee time is set for Thursday, 934 uh, he'll be playing with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman. And uh, one of the biggest motivators for Tiger he said, uh, meeting the media today is the fact that he is he's able to get out there. It's not as comfortable as it used to be, but he still thinks he can win, and that's a big motivator. It has, and um, when I, I decide to hang it up, when I feel like I, I can't win anymore, and that, that'll be it. Uh, but I feel like I can still do it, and uh, I feel like I still have the hands to do it. Uh, the body's moving good enough. Uh, I've been in, in worse situations and played at one tournaments. Now, uh, haven't been in situations like this where I've had to you know walk and endure. You know, when I'm going to you know try and endure, that's going to be different. It's a different challenge. But um, my my back surgeries that I've had before and the stuff I had to play through, um, even going back to the the U.S. Open when my leg was a little bit busted. Uh, you know, those are all times that I've. I can draw upon that I was successful, um, how I've learned how to block things out and focus on what I need to focus on, and uh, that's certainly going to be the challenge this week. There you go. And uh, he said again he can hit all the shots. That's not the issue. It's going to be physically demanding, but uh, he thinks he can get it done. We'll see. Unless there's a major setback, Tiger will be playing at Augusta Thursday morning, which is going to be really cool to see. No doubt. Never, never in a million years that I think he'd be playing, uh, you know, this quickly. And uh, at one point, I think a lot of us questioned whether Tiger would ever play a regular tour event again or a major championship or whatever, even though the Masters is on the PGA schedule. It's not a PGA tour event. But still, uh, semantics there. We just wondered if he was even going to be able to get out and, you know, play around with Charlie, you know. Just a uh, relaxing kind of round, and he's how back. long till Charlie's playing the Masters? Charlie is going to win at Augusta in twenty thirty three. Twenty thirty three. Yes, I'm okay. setting the over and under uh, twenty thirty three. Yes, for Charlie. All right, eleven years from now, if Charlie Woods takes home the Masters title, takes home the Green Jacket, you can say that you heard it here first on April fifth, twenty twenty two from none other 
than Oklahoma sports radio icon Mike Steely. You know, the uh, the PNC challenge, the father-son or the, uh, the family challenge, you know, um, because of Charlie playing with Tiger, the ratings there have gone through the roof. I mean, because it's so interesting to look at the mannerisms. He's, he's mini-me for Tiger is what he is. He's Vern Troyer is what he is for to Tiger. And, uh, again, he is uh, really talented, particularly for his age. You never know. Tiger was uh, the thing that Tiger, that competitive desire and that, uh, you know, being raised by Earl, uh, where Earl, you know, taught him a lot of good stuff about focusing and always was trying to distract him. And that's why Tiger, uh, one of the reasons why I won so many majors. Um, but I don't know. Tiger and Charlie together is always fun to watch. I don't think it, I, that I didn't hear a question. I don't think Tiger would play the part three tomorrow. I didn't hear that question, whether he answered it or not. But he needs to stay off that leg as much as he can. I think he was going to said he was going to play nine holes again tomorrow, but probably. Hey, we I can, doubt he. We would can be in send you three. down there to take Tiger's place in the. Let's part do three it event. absolutely. I you know part three. I don't hit the ball very well off the tee, particularly with a driver or any. You know, metal club. Now, I'm just not good at that. I can hit irons on that par three course. I could. I could. I could score okay there. But uh, I don't know. I, I haven't tracked my swing speed. I would say it's somewhere in maybe the 55-mile-an-hour range, like the old man in the left lane, you know, driving. That's probably my club head speed about now at this age. Okay, uh, so Suter Baseball tonight, 6.30 against ORU. Bedlam Friday, Saturday in Stillwater. Uh, softball tomorrow night over at Marita Hines Field. The undefeated Sooner women at 32-0 and hosting Tulsa. And uh, final home game tonight of the season for the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Paycom Center against the Portland Trailblazers. Man, back in the day, you had the Dame Lillard-Russell Westbrook rivalry. You had Dame hitting that shot over Paul George in one of the coldest endings to a playoff series ever. And tonight, it's basically going to be a G League matchup. Portland and the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight. And again, three road games to wrap up the season for Oklahoma City at Utah Wednesday. Friday at the Lakers. The Lakers play the Suns tonight. The Lakers are on life support, man. They're on life support. They're not going to make it. Uh, and the L.A. Clippers would be the final game on Sunday. Any uh, any final thoughts today on anything? Kansas? No, I just Tiger. Say, I'm I'm going to get off the air here. And I'm going to go find which sports book I can get Tiger Woods at 80 to 1 odds on. And I'll probably put five bucks on Tiger. You ought to. We played the clip from Hank Haney the other day where he said, nothing would surprise me. He could win. Uh, it's it's going to be, again, more of how he holds up physically, obviously, than anything else. Do I think he's going to win? No, I don't. Do I think he can top 10? Yeah, I think he's got a shot. And is out of the question that Tiger Woods could win at Augusta? No. I mean, if he's back and feels like he can go out there and play. Like I said, he's not out there trying to be a ceremonial golfer, you know, just acknowledging the gallery. He's not He's not going to be that. He's there because he thinks he has a chance to win. Remember the last time he was there in 2020, he ended up, I think, tied for 38th, but he made it 10 on 12. Ironically, in 2019, it was the 12, all those guys going in the water or in Ray's Creek on 12, that opened the door for Tiger to, to walk right through and win the green jacket, which is what he did. But he blew up. And then after he made that, uh, was it a 10? I think it was a 10 that he made. 
Uh, then he came back and he birdied a bunch of holes down the stretch. So uh, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. All right, we've got it locked in. Coming up next, Parker, Tyler McComas. Everybody have a terrific Tuesday. We will see you.